Welcome to the Lex Buds and Pick and Roll podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Brandon. And with you as always is Tyler. Tyler, you are always with me and it is greatly appreciated, sir. I don't know if, have I told you that lately? Um, no, not, not since last week. Okay, it's been a full week. I wish I could tell you every day, Tyler, to Aww, be honest. That means a lot. Thank you. All right, enough of that crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything interesting happening this week in the world of Tyler Bentley? Uh, well, you know, it's it's Father's Day weekend, so that means yeah. I get to pick all the places I want to eat tomorrow, so, you know, that's a big day. Where are you going? I haven't decided yet. You know, I, I want to kind of see what, what where my hunger takes me in tomorrow, what I'm in the mood for. I, I will definitely start the day out with some donuts for breakfast. That will that will be a guarantee. Well, you know what is closed on Sunday, right? Um, are you referring to Chick Fil A? Yes, is this, I am. Is this in reference to our last episode? It is in reference to our last episode, and you know, I just wanted to bring it up. You're not going to be able to go there for Father's Day. Are you upset about that? No, because they are kind enough to give their employees the day off on Sunday on the day of rest. Okay, so other than Father's Day, I, I, I'm excited too. We've actually got some reservations somewhere. Apparently, Kayla made some res- reservations oh, for me. Oh, it's a surprise? I guess. No, it's actually at, uh, I think it's OBC. Oh, nice. You, you get the bacon in a glass there. You know what? Any place that serves bacon in a glass deserves my business. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just so you know, p- restaurants in Lexington, if you want to earn my business, put bacon or some sort of meat product in a glass. Guaranteed to get me there. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised there aren't more meats in a glass. That seems like something that, you know, people would have caught on to by now. Yeah, and you know, people say that humans can't innovate anymore. And I, I would just challenge that and say, what about this bacon in a glass? You tell me that's not innovation. It is. It's it's fantastic. I mean, who whoever thought that, that you could find more places to put meats. So I, I'm for it. We need more meats and glasses. We need more meats on sticks. There's, yep. <laughs> There's something about Mary. Yes, right? <laughs> yep. Good reference that's, there. That's where I was going to see if you would catch that. Yeah. yeah, I did catch that. So first of all, we're going to get right into this segment. This, this is going to be a pretty full show. We did an interview with Angie Hatton. And Tyler, thanks for setting that up, by the way. Angie Hatton is the uh, representative for our area of the state. Yep, she's the representative of the Letcher County and part of Pike County District in eastern Kentucky. Uh, Letcher County, of course, those of you who don't know, is where Brandon and I are from, our hometown of Whitesburg. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool to talk to her. We we got a little juicy gossip on her before the interview yes, that we, we kind of sprung on her at the end. Uh, I actually went to we went to high school with her sister in law, so I Facebook messaged her and said, "Hey, give me some good stories on Angie that I can just kind of spring on her at the end." And boy, she she came through. The the look on Angie's face, <laughs> yes, was when it, priceless. Whenever you hear the phrase "a deer in headlights," <laughs> watch that part of the interview when we tell her that we've done some reconnaissance and some undercover work to figure out some dirt on Angie Hatton. And boy, look at that look on her face because uh-huh. she had no clue where this was going. No, but I would have the same thing. Like if you walked in here and said, "Hey, Brandon, I've got some juicy dirt on you," I would start panicking. <laughs> I'd start hyperventilating. So it's not an unusual reaction. I think anybody would have it if you said, hey, uh, I've been doing some investigative work on you and found out. Yeah, uh, yeah, but, uh, especially when you're a legislature. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, that, that you, you don't want anything that's going to make you look bad and, and cost you your election or anything. So. Absolutely. And it was so nice for her to, to join us on um, the podcast, too. I, you know, she's great, you know. Watch the interview. Whether you agree with her or not, I think you can at least say that she's an authentic person. And, you know, 
she's really passionate about her work. Whether you agree with her or not, very passionate about her work. She and you got to give people. I give people more credit when they're passionate and they actually believe something than people that fake it. So I'm very happy with the interview and glad she came on. Yeah, some great insight on things happening in Eastern Kentucky with the Black Lives Matter protests, and she, she gave us kind of her two cents on the McGrath Booker race. So. Just some really interesting stuff, so make sure you hang around and, and listen to that interview because she has some really interesting things to say. Even if you don't live in eastern Kentucky, just if you're a Kentuckian, uh, she's, she has some good information to share with you. Absolutely, and if your local representative uh, wants to come on the air and talk to us and be interviewed, tell them to come on. I think we're pretty workable. We're, like, we're, we're nice guys, right? We're not yeah. out to get anybody. Absolutely. We will be totally fair. Um, we, we, again, thank Miss Hatton for coming on. We did reach out, Brandon, or I did to the McGrath and the Booker campaigns. Unfortunately, neither one of them responded. It was, it was kind of disappointing. They, they could have gotten the Lex Budge and pick and roll endorsement had either of them come on, but now they chose not to. Let me tell you this, the Lex Budge and pick and roll endorsement. I don't know that I would ever endorse anybody, <laughs> by the way. I, I will say that. But on the other hand, I want to say thank you to our listeners. You guys are absolutely nuts. I've said it before. You all are watching the videos. You're subscribing to the podcast. You're visiting the website at LexBuds.com. You're following us on Twitter at LexBuds. It's been really crazy. And first of all, thank you very much for that. But we really want to dive right in. We've got a really cool subject that Tyler came up with. Yes. It's a presidential election year. And... Tyler, you came up with this crazy idea when you sent it to me on text. You said, what if we built the University of Kentucky basketball cabinet, like a presidential cabinet of all these different departments? Who would be in the UK basketball cabinet? What a great idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. You know, we're, we're going to build our Kentucky basketball presidential cabinet today. We're going to go through all the positions that a president would normally have to fill only we're going to fill them with Kentucky basketball players, and I'm going to tell you why all my choices are better than yours, Brandon. That's fine. And just to to be clear, we are going to do this. Uh, Tyler, we were born in the 80s, correct? So we're going to correct. do this from the time frame that we recall, and that is, for me, it is the Rick Patino era and beyond. Yes. Just because I, I don't remember what happened in 1985. I was three years old. What yeah. do I know? Yeah, I, I know Kenny Walker is great. I know Dan Issel was great. I know Wawa Jones was great, but you know what? I never saw any of those guys play personally. So just you know, for us to be able to comment on them, we're we're starting from the last thirty years for for our cabinet. So a- absolutely. So let's go down the list, and, and just to give people a, a a preview of what's in this, we've got the president, the labor secretary, which is the hardest worker, um, the secretary of human and human services, which is who's in the best in shape and ripped. The, the Secretary of Housing and Urban, Urban Development, which is the best shop blocker. <laughs> you like that one? It was very nice. <laughs> There's a bunch more topics. We're going to go through them all, and we're going to debate them all right now and kind of see who's going to build the best cabinet. We'll let you decide. Yeah, I'm going to write them all down. You write them all down. Make our picks here. Yep, that's very good. So do we want to start from the top, or do we start from so. the bottom? I think so. I think we got to start, you know, because, you know, in real life, the president would have to be chosen first before the cabinet's set up, so... I think we start, and I think maybe we can take turns with who goes first. Okay. So that, you know. So the first one, the UK basketball cabinet from Rick Patino onwards, who would you choose as a UK basketball player to be the president in the UK basketball cabinet? This person should exude leadership 
charisma, and intelligence. Tyler, who do you have as your president of the United States of UK basketball? Oh, I get to go first on this one? You do get to okay, go first. Okay, that's good, because I really have, I, th- I think, a very obvious choice for this. You want someone who obviously is a leader, but you want someone who's very intelligent. You want somebody who has a good moral backbone, who's going to make decisions that are in the best interests of their people. And I think in the, the last 30 years, we have had one player who, Brandon, just seems like the most genuine person, genuinely nice guy. Maybe, maybe some people might say he's even too nice. And that is Carl Towns. Whoa, okay. I'm going President Towns for my first choice because I think he would genuinely care about doing right for his people. So you're you're picking a one-and-done player as your leader. Correct. Does that not strike you as odd? I'm just asking. He was only here for nine months, and you're electing him in president. Well, most of our players nowadays are only here for nine months, so... That's a good I mean, point. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I went a slight... You do raise a good point, because Carl Towns seems like the nicest guy on the planet. Yes. It's, it's really weird. It's almost like it's fake... But it's not because he does it all the time. Yeah, he would probably actually never get elected because he is too nice. He w- he would never talk bad about the opposing candidate. So, well, I'm going to pick somebody that was a leader of some of the best teams in University of Kentucky basketball history. Okay, okay, we're talking about the '96 and the '97 teams. Who was the one core element of both of those teams? And that is Anthony Epps. I thought you were going to go Steve Masiello, but okay, yeah, no, Anthony Masiello was a close twelfth uh, <laughs> on that one. No. You know, Anthony Epps, when you think about the greatest teams to ever play at the University of Kentucky, he was the leader. He was a solid leader in those teams. I'm not talking NBA players. We're not talking about Ron Mercer, Derek Anderson, and all the guys that went on to the league and got drafted into the lottery. I'm talking about a guy that those guys looked up to to lead those teams. And that's Anthony Epps. He was tough. He was a great college player, and he led those teams to greatness. Without having NBA talent. He did. I think a lot of people actually forget that he was the starting point guard on that 96 team. He kind of gets overlooked. But, yeah, there was so much talent on that team, and he kind of had to 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 get all that talent to work together. So very, very underrated player for his time. Okay, so you agree that my pick is better. That's great. Let's move on to the second one, Tyler. What do you got? <laughs> well, I'll, I went first on the last one, so you can go first okay. on this one. Okay, what's the, what's the topic ne- next on Next one, one is Secretary of Defense. This is the best defender of the last 30 years. Best defender. Who, who, do, you, who do you got that's going to, if you got a guy on the other team that you need to shut down, who are you putting on him? Okay, so Secretary of Defense, the best defender. This was really tough because I came up with like four or five different people. But for me, it has to be the guy that when you are setting picks and setting screens, he can switch with any player. When I looked at it and really thought about it, who could switch any pick screen, and that was Willie Colleystein. Now, was Anthony Davis a great shot blocker? Yes. Did Rajon Rondo have humongous hands and long arms that could steal anything? Yes. But um, I think Willie Colleystein is the only guy that we've had that could guard someone in the post and also guard the other team's point guard if it got switched. I don't know that we've ever had a player be able to do that. We've had some really athletic guys, especially in the Calipari era, but nobody like Willie Colleystein. He could do everything. And I don't know if you knew, uh, he used to play football. Shut up. No yeah, way. He used to play football. What position? 
I that's for you to find out. <laughs> You're gonna have to do some work. I don't know if anybody's huh. ever uncovered that information. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Brandon, you have left the door wide open for me on this one. Okay. If you're picking any player other than Anthony Davis as the best defender at UK in the last 30 years, I think you're nuts. Okay. I mean, the best shot blocker we've ever had. He also has the ability to switch out on players, similar to Willie Cauley-Stein. Okay. I mean, the the dude can do it all. I mean, he, do, he does everything Willie does, just a little bit better. So I, I got to go Anthony Davis for my defense. You I mean, know why I didn't pick Anthony Davis for this one? Because he could be the leader in about 10 different categories in this, so I had to pick him for one. <laughs> but l- let me say this, going back to your Anthony Davis thing. The Secretary of Defense, there were people that would drive the ball into the basket on Anthony Davis and just back it back out. Yes, they were terrified. <laughs> they would dribble all the way into the go, and they're like, oh, nope, wrong way. They took the wrong mm-hmm. way. You know, it's like Siri comes on and says, make a U-turn at blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's what they did when they saw Anthony Davis. They said, make a U-turn at the next stop. And they went back out to the three-point line. Yeah, it didn't matter if he was guarding you or if, if he would just come over and block a guy he wasn't even guarding. He would just come block their shot out of nowhere. I mean, just incredible. We'll never see another player like him. So That makes me sad. Yeah. I really like Anthony Davis. Once-in-a-lifetime player. What a freak of nature, athletically. All right, so the third one here, I'm going to go first on this one, Tyler. You went first on the last one. I think it's my turn. You picked okay. Willie first. Jeez Louise. All right. We're trying to cheat. <laughs> That's Typical, fine. yeah, the, you, you would be great at choosing a cabinet because you're trying to cheat. All right, do, do we want to finish this segment <laughs> or not, Tyler? That's what I want to know. Okay. Okay, tell me what's the next category. Uh, the next category is the Secretary of State, which we know is a very important position. This is the best player from the state of Kentucky. So who is the best UK basketball player from the Patino era on from the state of Kentucky that would you, you would choose to be Secretary of State? Okay. Um, you know, we haven't had a whole lot recently, so I think you've got to go back to the, the 90s probably to find that was kind of when we had the best players from the state. Okay. Now, I will say who should be the number one on this list is Chris Lofton. But you know what? Tubby Smith decided, nope, I don't want the greatest basketball player out of Kentucky in the last 20 years to come play. I want Brandon Stockton and Josh Carrier and Todd Jeez, Tackett Ty, instead. Calm down, Tyler. That that was, I'll be honest, that was the final straw for me with Tubby. I went and watched Chris Lofton hit nine threes in the state championship game, had 39 points, and Tubby's like, nah, I think we're good. We don't need any three-point shooters. Uh, well, come on. Josh Carrier hit every three in practice. In pra- you know this. He did. So, I mean, if you're maybe Tubby just caught him on practice day. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't go actually watch the games. <laughs> maybe he just go, he went and watched Josh Carrier in practice. Yeah, but uh, that still drives me nuts. That's that was the final nail in the coffin for me with Tubby. Uh, just had, had to go off on that real quick. Uh, so did. instead of Chris Lofton, I'm going to go. Uh, who do I have here? Uh, Scott Paget. Oh, Scott Paget. Really? Okay. Hey, you, you talk about big shots. Okay. He he hit some big ones in the '98 run. Um, that Duke game was amazing. Yeah, he hit the big wow. three pointer against Duke. I mean, the the memory we all have of him going crazy after he hit that shot. Dude, dude was just a gamer and re- really wasn't a hugely heralded recruit. Just strong work ethic, work ethic. Just kept working his way into the rotation, and you know he he played a key role in that same '96, '97, '98 era that we just talked about. So I'm going Scott Paget for my Secretary of State. You know what? I, that that is a fair point, and I'll give you Scott Paget. However, I think 
that Darius Miller is a better choice. Darius Miller had a great high school career. Just like, I mean, Pageant had a great high school career, or they wouldn't be at UK. Right. True. But he worked his way from kind of struggling his first couple of years to, by the end, on the same team with Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb, managed to be a, a senior leader on that team and lead them to the 2012 National Championship. I'm a huge fan of Darius Miller. He surprised the hell out of me by doing anything in the NBA. I mean, I know that's bad to say, but I honestly <laughs> didn't expect him to do really anything. He's been great, and I think he's gotten so much out of the talent that he has. He's developed a three-point shot, and he developed it over the course of his career. He was kind of an anchor for that 2012 team with all that talent. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Anthony Davis, Terrence Jones, Deron Lamb, Marcus Teague. He was the anchor on that team, and I think just a huge part of what made 2012 great. Yeah, uh, and Gilchrist even gave up his starting spot to to Miller uh, a couple of times just because they knew how important he was to the team. So the, the, we both picked a guy from a national championship team. I think those are were, those were both pretty good picks. Yeah, absolutely. Who went first on the last one? Uh, that was me, so you'll go next. We Next category is okay. the labor secretary. Who is the hardest worker? No. Wait, wait, wait. Well, no, you, you skipped labor secretary on the last... Labor Secretary was supposed to be the last one. Okay, just forgive me, Tyler. Okay, it's okay. I forgive you. Hardest worker, who who got the most out of their talent, Brandon? Who who worked extremely hard, maybe exceeded their abilities? So Labor Secretary, who worked the hardest? UK basketball from Patino on. I'm going to say DeAndre Liggins. DeAndre Liggins, I, I, I sit here and try to pinpoint what he did well. I feel like he just went out and drove the other team absolutely friggin' nuts. I you know I don't I can't say he's a good three point shooter, not I mean I don't know if he's a good foul shooter or not, just not I don't know what he does, but I I know that he was a big part in what Calipari was doing these first few years that he got here, and I feel like he just drove the other team absolutely crazy, and it was because he just wanted it more than the other guy that he was guarding. I love DeAndre Liggins. I could watch him play all day long. I think he is the hardest worker from the Patino era on because he, he turned that into an NBA career off just hard work. Not three-point shooting. He wasn't Steph Curry. He wasn't doing all these amazing things. He just worked really hard all the time. So I'm going DeAndre Liggins. Okay, fair. Uh, I'm going to go Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Mm. You talk about... Okay. You know, he organized the breakfast club workouts where they, you know, they got up at the crack of dawn to go and practice and work out in the gym. Brandon made probably the most important play of the 2012 National Championship game. I'm, I'm sure you remember this. We had gotten up big. We were up double digits the whole game. Kansas makes a big run. They're down six with a minute left. They're about to hit a wide open layup to cut it to four. And Kid Gilchrist just comes out of nowhere and makes a block. Then Kansas turns it over, saves potentially the national title for us with that one play. Because if they if they score on that, it's a whole other ball game. Our players are going to start to get a little tighter. That one play signified everything that Michael Kid Gilchrist did. He was just a hard worker, not a good shooter, not you know, kind of how you compared with DeAndre. But man, just. The ultimate team player, the ultimate worker, got the most out of his ability. MKG, if nothing else, for that play against Kansas. That was a money play. 
my goodness, that was so huge because we were dominating that whole game. And then for some reason, you know, we start taking the air out of the ball and trying to just get out of there with a win. And he, I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't made that play, but it was big. It It was was. big. It was big. All right, next we've got, who's going to be your secretary of the treasury, Brandon? Who was the most money, with my air quotes here, who was the most money, who made... Who, who could you count on that they were kind of automatic or came up with big clutch shots when you needed one? Tyler, I think there's only one player for this one, and uh, I don't know if it's the same one you chose, but how in, on God's green earth can you pick anybody besides Aaron Harrison for this? Oh, yeah. Who is going to be more money when, when the game's on the line and you've got a chance to go to the Final Four or win? Who are you putting the ball in the hands of? Well, clearly we did with Aaron Harrison multiple times, and it worked out pretty well. It worked out really well. Um, He is the most money player. I have a second pick that I I wanted to choose, but the more I think about it, who is more money than Aaron Harrison? The guy's a legend at UK. He's going to have free drinks at any UK bar whenever he comes back here because he has hit the most money shots that not just UK, but any college basketball team has seen in the last 10 years. I mean... One after another, he's just clutch. This is I, the I, point he always hits it. Yeah, exactly. And then it goes in. I mean, it's a Every beautiful th- It's a beautiful thing. I'm going Aaron Harrison. Okay. Um, I'm going to go for a guy, you know, that, you know, I can't really think of, you know, any buzzer beaters, game winning shots that he hit. But just a guy that I knew when he had the ball was going to make a smart play. And if we needed him to take a shot, it was going to go in. I'm going, Brandon, back to the early 90s with Ooh. Travis Ford. Travis what? Ford. Tra- well, now, wait a minute, Ty. I, I got I to gotta go with go against you on this one. What money shot has Travis Ford hit? You you tell me right now. Uh, I'll, I'll, did, give you, I'll give you 20 minutes. I bet you can't did, come up with Did one. Travis Ford ever miss a free throw in the four years that he was here? That's great. But what? how is he money? Because he never misses. Like I never felt better oh about any player in the last 30 years going to the free throw line than I did when Travis Ford went to the free throw line. You just knew it was going he never missed. I mean, he made something like 50 some free throws in a row at some point. I know it's a little different judgment on there, but when I think somebody who's money, I think somebody who's All right, automatic. So, so let me okay, let me ask you this. Uh last possession of the game and you're going down and you got a chance to win the game, you're down by 1 point. Who are you putting the ball to? Are you putting it to Aaron Harrison or Travis Ford? I mean, it. I'm That's all right. You lost. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you took the player who hit the most shot. I mean, what do you expect me to do after that? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. What's our next one? Okay. So the next one is the Secretary of the Interior. All right, so this is really important. This is the best post player, Secretary of the Interior, since the Patino era, or including the Patino era. Who do you have, Tyler? Okay, so for me, if we're going post, it's got to be a true post player. Uh, We've had some guys who can step out, big men who can shoot jumpers or shoot threes. To me, if we're going for the interior, somebody, when you give them the ball on the block, they're either going to score or get fouled. Because okay. they are just so strong and physical that the opposing team can't stop them. I'm going, Brandon, with DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, Cousins. Okay. Interesting. Because, I mean, the dude was just, I mean, 
the the size, the strength, the the quickness. I mean, he's very agile on his feet. He could, you know, just go through you. He could go around you. Whatever was needed to be done. And then I I, I still don't think there was a player in that season that stopped Demarcus Cousins. He abused anybody that we played against that season. Just unfortunate that it had to end the game early because we couldn't hit a three. Oh, don't talk about it, please. But I, I, I think he was just he was a force that season that nobody could stop. Let me tell you who the Secretary of the Interior is, and to me, it's not even a doubt. There have been some good post players. There has been Demarcus Cousins, Nazi Muhammad, Jamal McGlure, Carl Towns, Anthony Davis. There's been a lot, but for me. It comes down to Tubby Smith finding that magical fax to get Randolph Morris eligible. You're not going with Randolph Morris. Randolph Morris Morris is the secretary. Oh, my goodness. How good was Randolph Morris when he played here? You you tell me that there's a reason why Tubby used some black magic or or some voodoo magic or whatever you call it (laughs) to find that fax in his desk. It's because Randolph Morris is the man when it comes to post players at Kentucky. Every time he got the ball, he could do something. He could do something. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, he was. He would do something with the ball. He would score points, and he would do a good job, Tyler. That's what I'm going off of here. Okay. I I think I just have a, a, a bad feeling for Randolph Morris because if you remember, Brandon, one time in college, we saw him out at a bar, and we tried to get our picture with him, and he refused to take his picture with us. He's just like, nah, nah. You know what we ended up... You remember what we ended up doing? We ended up, like, you would just walk by, and I would be like... Yeah, it was... It, before there were photo bombs, we did a photo bomb behind Randolph Morris, before that was even a thing. Hey, man, can we get a picture? No, nah, no, nah, man, I'm cool, man. Well, no, you're not cool. <laughs> well, screw you, then. Screw you, man. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, he owed us anything. What right. did Randolph Morris owe? Yeah. But, I mean... He was such a great player, but he's overlooked because of the you know the facts saying he was only here for a couple of years. But I'm going Randolph Morris. He he was always he could always score in the post. He was an imposing force. People forget about Randolph Morris, but he was really really good. Who's winning one on one, Randolph Morris or Demarcus Cousins? That's all I'm going to say. You don't have to answer that. It's moving on. I, I think I clearly had the better choice on That's that. That's fine. One. Uh, next one uh, we have. The Secretary of Agriculture. Oh, yeah. So this one is for the player who grew the most. See what I did there? Agriculture. They grew. They grew something. Yeah. Well, I think there's one obvious choice, and I think you may pick it. So I'm going to go with something different. Okay. I'm going to go with Joe Crawford. Oh, okay. Joe Crawford went from his freshman year wanting to leave the program. He barely made it through. Yeah, he almost left halfway through yeah, his freshman year. Yeah, in December year. of that year, he was ready to go. He was part of that heralded class that included Randolph Morris. Uh-huh. Included Randolph Morris, included Ramel Bradley, and uh, Rajon Rondo, right? That was yep, the class. That was it. And he sat the bench. He wasn't getting off the bench at all. And by the time he left his last couple of years, he was the go-to guy on those teams. So he went from riding the bench, getting ready to transfer to the point to where he's the go-to guy under Billy Gillespie to score and make something happen on offense. That's a huge turnaround. And it just goes to show you can stick things out and it, and it'll work. You know, if things aren't going well for you the first couple months, just just stop. Work hard, keep your head down, and things will work out for you. And I think Joe Crawford uh, is my secretary of agriculture. He was the player that grew the most. Yeah, unfortunately we don't get to find out anymore cuz we have Jamal Baker and uh, all these guys who leave because they don't get enough playing time in their first year. So uh, <laughs> that's true. 
Don't get me started on that, Tyler. Uh, yep. It's, yeah. Uh, anyway, my Secretary of Agriculture, the player I thought grew the most <clears throat> in his time at Kentucky, maybe also has one of the greatest nicknames of any player in the history of Kentucky, which is Josh Harrelson. Is that who you were thinking, Brandon? Yep, that was number one. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, went from junior college, not recruited at all coming out of high school, Came to Kentucky in the Gillespie era, got pretty much no playing time. Mm-hmm. Pretty much got no playing time his first season at Kentucky under Calipari, or first season under Calipari. And then his last year, you remember after Big Blue Madness, or or maybe it was a preseason game or something, he had like 20, 20 rebounds, and yeah. he sent out a tweet. Oh, the tweet, yes, <laughs> I remember that. He's like, what do I got to do to get some respect from my coach after getting 20 rebounds? And Calipari pretty much almost kicked him off the team because of that. I'm surprised he made it. I remember when Calipari first got here, I thought Harrelson would be one of the first people left off. Yeah, because he's not a typical Calipari player, let's be honest. He, he doesn't <laughs> Hell fit no, he's not, he's not even close. <laughs> no. He's not remotely close to any... <laughs> the guy made the roster for the New York Knicks. He did, incredibly. And my one of my favorite memories of any... Kentucky basketball player is him throwing the ball off the chest to that dude. What was the Ohio State dude? Oh my goodness. He was like the player of the year. Player of the year, what Ohio State. And he center. just threw the damn ball. What was his name? I don't know. Now I'm going to have to look at it. Now I'm going to have to look. Bucky, Bucky McBuckerson. Bucky, Bucky McBuckerson. <laughs> uh, Tyler, you know, in the meantime, I'll look that up for you. Okay. Um, and we'll see what we can All come right. up with. Um, okay. So we'll go. Oh, was it next. Solinger? Yes, Jared Solinger. Jared Solinger. See, yeah. look at that. Good job, Brandon. Look at that. I'm, I am my own You're personal a human Google iPad. machine. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I don't need that. Okay, Brandon. Next category, Secretary of Commerce. Okay. This is the player that you would have most liked to have seen traded. Boy, I've been waiting for this one the whole time. <laughs> so we've got this long list of topics. The, the player that I wanted to be traded the most when I was a UK fan was Sheree Thomas. I'm, I don't know. I'm totally with you on that one. Sheree Thomas drove me crazy, but I'm, I want to hear why why he drove you crazy. <laughs> it's it's hard to explain. You know when you've seen so many just bad things happen with something, you're like, you know what? I don't remember one instance. I just know that collectively it was a complete disaster, and that was Sheree Thomas. And what upset me the most was he had some talent. At one point, he had talent on this team. He did? I don't remember that at all. Okay, well, he did. He had some talent. At one point in his career, Sheree Thomas had talent. And was it like in Space Jam? Maybe the Monstars stole his talent. Maybe that's what, because I don't remember him ever having any talent. Okay, well, I'm going to disagree with that. He had some talent, but there was just something that never translated, and I don't know what it was. I laugh about it now, and I feel kind of bad because I feel like I ragged on Sheree Thomas a little bit. He had some health issues, and... But if I'm just looking, if I'm looking from a UK fan perspective, who drove me the most crazy and that I wanted to trade at some point during my UK fandom from the Patino era on, it was Sheree Thomas. Yeah, my my biggest memory of Sheree Thomas, I don't know if you remember this, Brandon, but there was a game, I don't remember who we were playing, but we were down one or maybe two with a few seconds left. Tubby calls timeout, set up a play. Oh, no. And, and you're, I mean... You're going and down this road, aren't you? I, I am. I'm telling this story. And, you know, Tubby, say what you will about Tubby, but he was always very good at, during timeouts, at drawing up a good 
I'll give you that. Set play. Yes. That was one yes. of his best strengths. So yes. anytime we called timeout, set up a play, I'm like, okay, we, we got a pretty good chance of this working. Kentucky ran a play to, for Sheree Thomas to take the game-winning shot. They got in the ball off the screen, got the ball on the block about four feet from the basket. I mean, he's oh, right no. under the basket. No, do you, do you, Tyler, Do you remember no. what happened next, Brandon? Oh... I don't want to say, but I know that the shot wasn't very close. It wasn't. In fact, he airballed it. He airballed the game-winning shot from the block. <laughs> and then a few weeks later, I don't know if you remember this, it was in the SEC tournament. I think it was LSU. We ran the same play, only we gave the ball to Chuck Hayes, and he made it. I don't know if you remember that one or not, but in the post-game interview, Chuck Hayes said, yeah, that was the same play we ran a few weeks ago, and they coach decided to run it for me this time. Like, well, thank God. Well, th- <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, right? It's like not giving the ball to Randall Cobb against Tennessee. Exactly. Jeez Louise, don't get me started. Now I'm getting, now my blood pressure is going up again. I don't know if I can handle it. So my secretary of commerce, the player I would have liked to have traded was Sheree Thomas. Who do you have? Anybody who's ever listened to an episode of this show, Brandon, has probably been able to figure out who I would like to trade. I've made it very clear my strong feelings on this player. I'll give you two guesses, but you're only going to need one. The player I most want to trade is... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I can guess. <laughs> if it's based on... It's EJ Montgomery. Correct. Okay. There we go. <laughs> EJ Montgomery, you know, Mr. Sulk, hang my head, make poor decisions listen to my friends and family to go to the NBA. EJ Montgomery just drove me nuts, man. I I would trade EJ Montgomery for a box of Lee's Famous Recipe <laughs> Chicken. And you know my feelings on Lee's Famous Recipe Chicken from last week. I would trade him for a box of Lee's Chicken. I would trade him for about anything, what, whatever we could have gotten. I mean, I like Lee's Famous Recipe. I'd almost trade anything for him. But you're, you know, the fact that you don't like it, it says a lot. Interesting. So the next one we have is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. And for Health and Human Services, this is the player that was the most in shape or ripped, as we're going to call it. Yes. Okay. And you're going first on this one. I you want me to go first? I have a feeling who you're going to pick for this one. Let me tell you this. So I'm a graduate of the University of Kentucky. I went and played basketball at the UK Students Athletic Center, the Johnson Center. This is a really nice place. And I'm sitting there shooting basketball. There's like 20 or 25 of us that would play basketball all the time. You know, we would just run pickup games and all that kind of yeah. stuff. One day I go in there, and there's this guy that looks like he's been chiseled out of a friggin' statue. He looks like a Greek god. And I'm like, good lord. who is this a football player? And he's just shooting basketball by himself. I get a little bit closer, and it is none other than... Kalina Azabuki. Yes, I knew that's where this was going. Yeah, Kalina Azabuki. Let me tell you this. He may play like Jane and look like Tarzan. <laughs> the guy is very imposing when you see him in person. I mean, unreal like bodybuilder body as a freshman. As a freshman play. Yeah, he came in that way. He was already sculpted. He was already sculpted. He came in, whipped all of our asses at the Johnson Center. Not even close. Uh, you know, we thought we were hot stuff playing pickup basketball. No. No, Kalina Azabuki made us look like little children. Did, did you get to guard Kalina? No, but after the game, I did rebound for him. I said, Mr. Azabuki, may I please rebound for you? <laughs> Mr. Azabuki. Is there anything I can do for you, sir? Because he was a grown man when he came here. 
muscles out the wall. I mean, his back had bicep muscles on him. You know, like if I tried really hard, I could sit here and I'll, I could try to flex. I'm not going to do it on yeah, camera. Yeah, don't, don't do that. No, the, the camera lens isn't big enough, obviously. But he had those muscles on his back. That's yeah, pretty impressive. Like back there where you don't even see. Those are the muscles you don't even see. Yeah. And the guy was just ripped. Freaked me the hell out. He is the most in-shape player I've ever seen. Yeah, I think that's the obvious answer. I don't think I can give anybody that can compare to Kalina, Mr. Tarzan, as you said. But I'm going to go with somebody that I also saw in person. Saw him at the airport when we were going on vacation last year. That is the... Oh, you saw Trans- him at the airport? The, okay. Yeah, I saw him at the, tra- okay. yeah, the transfer from Stanford, Reed Travis. Oh! You talk about a guy with just muscles on top of his muscles. I, I think that was actually part of his problem. He, he wasn't the best leaper. right? He, he had a hard time getting off the floor. And I think it's just because he was so muscular and just so big that he he had a hard time just kind of moving you in know general. What, you know what's interesting is you look at him, and to me he doesn't look like sculpted like Kalina, but he looks like, you know how you say people are big boned, but they could actually kill a man with their bare hands? Yeah. That's what Reed, I, I imagine Reed Travis as being out in the wilderness, and like if a grizzly bear came up to him, he would get him in a chokehold <laughs> and put him down. And I think that's a separate type of chiseled. I feel like he's a... It is. You know, he, he's a tough-looking guy. He and I is. would not want to try to box him out. No, not at all. Uh, I, I would feel much more comfortable trying to box out EJ Montgomery than I would Reed <laughs> Travis, that's for sure. <laughs> you are not going to stop on this EJ Montgomery train. EJ, if you're listening, we would love to have you on the show. <sighs> I'm to, sure he'll be... <laughs> to, to talk about your poor choices. Maybe, maybe I can help steer you in the right direction, young man. All right, moving on. Uh, we're going to go to Brandon. Next category, next position is the Secretary of Education. <laughs> Your EJ Montgomery stuff's killer. <laughs> okay, what's the next one? So we're going to go with who is the smartest oh, player okay. during the last thirty years. Now you could go a different way. You could this could be just overall intelligence. This could be basketball intelligence. You take this however you may. Yeah. So I, for Secretary of Education, the smartest player since. Including Patino and on, I'm going to say Tayshawn Prince. He is like the cerebral okay. leader slash Yoda slash. If I pictured some UK basketball player on the mountaintop that was like a guru that was sitting around waiting for people to ask questions, you know, just sitting there sipping their tea and just waiting for somebody to climb to the top and ask them how to do things, I imagine that to be Tayshawn Prince. The guy was. He never. His facial expression never moved. Even it if you watched the UK-North Carolina game where he hit five threes in the first yes. three or four minutes, including one from the logo, the guy's facial expression was just basically, mm. <laughs> yeah, I just hit one from the logo. That's just something I do. Mm-hmm. That's what I do here. Um, I think that's really impressive to me. I think if people are looking for guidance on how to play basketball and how to make it through the ups and downs of a basketball game, I think Tayshaun Prince is the quintessential choice smartest player because he never went too high he never went too low he was just Tayshaun Prince 
He and was, he went about his merry way, and he did his thing. He was. Now, I, I don't know if that necessarily makes him smart. You know, we we know he was quiet and cerebral, and you know, so you're on record as so, saying Tayshon Prince is not smart. I, I said I don't know if he's smart. He okay. might be. He I'll might send not that be. Message, I I'll send that message to Tayshon. I'm I, sure he'll be excited I've to hear your take. I've never heard Mr. Prince, uh, wonderful player, and I love Tayshon. Mm-hmm. I've never heard him say more than a, a couple words when he was at Kentucky. So I don't know. He might be a genius. He, he you know, he might be like Goodwill Hunting or something. I, I don't know. But <laughs> Good. okay, I, I just I don't know. I don't know that being <laughs> quiet makes one smart. Um, I have a guy, Brandon, who I think is smart in several different ways. And let, let me explain to you what I mean. I'm I already going, I already feel like you're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going with Rajon Rondo. Okay, and I'm okay. not talking about that. You know, he's gonna get a 1300 on his SAT. I don't know. He, he may be intellectually book smart too, but as far as the X's and O's of the game of basketball, and especially offensively, I don't think we have ever had a player who just understands basketball concepts better than him. I think that was part of the problem as to why he and Tubby didn't get along. Or, that, or he and any of his other teammates got along. Well, that's true. It's, I, I think it's just because. He understands the game of basketball so much more than most people that I think he kind of gets frustrated that people don't understand it as much as he do. As he, he, he <laughs> as, do. As much as he do. <laughs> as he do. He does a lot for basketball. He do, yeah. Uh, as much as he does. So I, I think that was is probably a big reason that he has such conflict with people. But, Ren, I don't know if you also know this about Rajon Rondo. He is... A master Connect Four player. You remember the game Connect Four? The I love Connect Four. It's a great game. Kids? It's a great game. If you go on YouTube, you can watch Rajon Rondo playing Connect Four with multiple people. He just goes from board to board and can keep in his mind the the boards of all these different games at one time. I mean, that that takes a lot of intelligence. I have a hard enough time playing focusing on one game of Connect Four. And, and maybe it's stupid to say that a guy's smart because he's good at a board game. It is. Anyway, I, you didn't have to agree with me on that. Mm-hmm. But I would let, <laughs> let, let's let's see you play twenty five Connect Four games going on at one time. I think this needs to be uh, a part of Calipari's recruiting pitch when he goes to to visit recruits. He just needs to bring a big stack of board games. You know, get get your clue, uh, get your, maybe some Guess Who. You know, all, all, all these different games and. If they can excel at that, they might be the next Rajon Rondo. You have lost your damn mind. <laughs> what? What on God's green? There's so much wrong with this that it's making my head spin. So, I, I so don't, what's what's wrong with that? There's nothing inherently wrong with it, but you're judging the smartest UK. You you thought my, that my Tayshawn Prince example was stupid, correct? I didn't say that. I just said I don't know. You he, said you don't know if he's smart. He might be. He might not. But you are, on the other hand, you are gauging Rajon Rondo as the next Albert Einstein based on the fact that he can play Connect Four. And I bet that he would sense. whip Albert Einstein's ass at a game of Connect Four. Okay. <laughs> the name of the game is UK Basketball Cabinet. Uh-huh. So Connect Four, you are, you're making the leap that Connect Four is somehow related to UK Basketball Smartest Player. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh-huh. I think there is a direct correlation there between Connect Four and ability to play basketball. Maybe, maybe that's what we instead of, we just need to start finding the best Connect Four players in the world and teaching them how to play basketball. So you're you're saying instead of the all these mixtapes, 
that we should just send in Connect Four playing? I just want you to say it out loud. I want you to say it out loud so I can hear how ridiculous it sounds. Can you say what you're thinking out loud and summarize it in one sentence? I'm, all I'm saying is it takes no, say it. No, 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 wait, 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 no, don't say it. all I'm saying 20 is. Connect Four games at one time. Don't say all I'm saying is. I'm saying just tell me your argument in one sentence. What did you just say? My argument is that we're looking at this is Secretary of Education. We're looking at the most intelligent UK. We didn't say that they're the most intelligent in the game of basketball, which I think Rondo probably is. I'm waiting on you we, to get to we, your argument. Go we ahead. just said the most intelligent. Okay, go ahead. Okay. And how do you know that, Tyler? How do you I'm know looking t- at my, my clock here. What have you proven that Tayshawn is intelligent? All you told me is that he's quiet. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, my God. All right, you know what? This is going to go on a tangent, and we're never going to get out of this, Tyler. Okay, let's let's move on then. Please, my goodness. What's the next topic? All right, let's we'll, we'll wrap this up. Our last uh, secretary that we're going to talk about is of Homeland Security. Oh, so if you need somebody to back you up, if, if if you're in trouble, you're about to get in a fight, which I know you do quite often, Brandon. I, I live on. Yeah, I'm a bruiser. <laughs> you know that. If if you need somebody that's going to back you up, who do you want in your corner? Who's going to be somebody that you know you know not to mess with? Let me tell you a player that I probably... I bet you haven't thought of in a long time. But this is a player that I feel like knows things. They know things. Have you ever looked at people and be like, I bet that guy's got a story somewhere. <laughs> uh, I, I, bet he's got some, I bet he's got some good stories. and I, I would love to know what that guy knows. I'm going to go with Jason Parker. Oh, I, I forgot Jason and Parker even existed. Pro- most UK fans probably have, but he was a tough player when he played. Agreed. But he always had this crazy look in his eye. I don't I don't know if you know the Dumb and Dumber skit where, or not skit, but part of the movie where he's like, hey, you got that crazy look in your eye. <laughs> yes. That's what Jason Parker had. I felt like he knew some things. And I, I would like to maybe have a bourbon with Jason Parker to figure out what he's seen. He would be a great interview, I bet. He, you know what? We'll, we'll work on that. But he just always had this look like, you know what? I'm going to rebound the basketball and score some points, but you know what? I may shank you. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you know you know you know what I mean? Like some people have that look like, you know what? You better watch out. I know this is a game, but after the game, I I'm going to shank you. <laughs> He just had that look like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I actually love that. I love Jason Parker as a player. I thought he was tough. He had his career kind of cut short at UK with injuries and things like that. But I really enjoyed him as a player. So I'm going with, if I'm going in the trenches, I'm taking him with me because I think that he, I don't think he's killed a man, but I think he knows someone that, that has. <laughs> fair fair is that enough. A, is that a weird argument? Yeah. I don't know if that's a weird argument okay. or not. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Okay. I, I I want somebody who has shown during games that they are going to hurt people. I want somebody that I have seen visual evidence of that they they're going to fight, they're going to push, they're going to do whatever that they need to do to impose their will on someone. Okay. So I'm going going back to the Tubby era with Jamal McGlure. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Because we all remember the famous 98 Duke game when he put Duke's little five foot eight starting point guard basically into the rack and bent him backwards across the floor. Wait, just that's the kind of guy I want in my corner. Now, wait a minute. I'm not saying that McGlure isn't totally nuts. 
first of all. I, I think that he probably is. He he could probably kill a man with his bare hands. But what do you remember the Billy Packer line? Look at what he's doing to Wojo. <laughs> of course. And yeah. Wojo is sitting back like this across uh, you know, McGlore's body. <laughs> he didn't do that to Wojo. Wojo Wojo committed the Duke flop on the ground. This was the invention of the Duke flop on the ground. <laughs> You know, most Duke flops are standing under the goal while the other team's better players are trying to dunk on them. Yeah, this is this is the defensive player of the year, mind you. Biggest joke ever. If you ever wanted evidence that 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 whole you know award was a complete joke, Wojo is it because Wayne Turner owned, he got, owned his ass. He got man. abused, abused. But, but there's no Duke bias, by the way. No. But but Wojo did that to himself, in my opinion. Okay. Fair. I don't think that was my glory initiated. Fair enough. We also have, if you remember, there was one game where they run off the floor and McGlure just shoved the other team's mascot to the ground. You remember that one? <laughs> I'm They're not surprised. into the locker room. He just shoves the other team's mascot down. Like, that's the kind of guy I want. He, he is Team NF. He does not care who it is. If you're in his way, you're, going, you're about to be out of his way. Yeah, you know what? You wouldn't surprise me if you told me that Jamal McGlure took every team's mascot and gave him a swirly. In the bat and like dunk their heads in the toilet. I would imagine Jamal McGlure doing that because he was, you know, it's sometimes it's good to have some guys on the team that maybe has a, a screw loose. You do. You need a couple crazy guys on your team to just get in there and fight and push people around. Yeah, I would take Jason Parker and Jamal McGlure to battle with me. That would be a good, you know, that, that that's a WrestleMania headline right there. Parker versus McGlure. Yeah, that is pretty good. That's impressive. Well, we've got some other cabinet positions that. We, you know, we would cover uh, on the website that we don't want to go through on the podcast here. But take a look on the website um, at these other positions. We've got several more that we wanted to go through, but in consciousness of time, yes. we wanted to condense it just a little bit. But we've got a lot more on our website, uh, lexbuds.com. So make sure you take a look at that. And we've got our interview coming up with Angie Hatton. Yes. Total 180 here, by the way. We just <laughs> talked about people beating the hell out of each other. And then we're going to go into an interview with Angie Hatton. Yes, with our with our state legislator Angie Hatton. Yes, who did a wonderful job in, in the interview. It, she 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 made some some great comments, some really interesting comments, and I think people are going to enjoy listening to her quite a bit. And I think she will really appreciate the fact that we ended the segment with uh, aggression and violence, and then we're going directly into her interview. I think she'll really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, I've been told that she finds it funny when people fall and get hurt. So <laughs> may, maybe she yes. may have actually enjoyed that segment. That's true. I, I know I did. Well, we're going to come back with that interview uh, with Angie Hatton. Again, follow us on uh, on our website at uh, lexbuds.com. Follow us on Twitter. 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 Follow us on Twitter at LexBuds. Uh, we're always trying to post new content and stuff, so uh, take a look at that. And we'll come back right uh, after this break with an interview with Angie Hatton. We'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back segment two, LexBuds Pick and Roll podcast. We are going to share with you our recent interview with Kentucky State Legislator Angie Hatton, who represents Letcher and Pike Counties. We spoke with her via Skype a couple days ago, so you may notice that the audio sounds a little bit different. Uh, you should should still be crystal clear, but if you just notice, it does sound a little different because we were doing via Skype. Uh, so we will play that for you now. If you're interested in seeing the video of that, we will also have video posted soon on our social media accounts on Facebook, so make sure you like our Facebook page, Let's Buzz and Pick and Roll. And without further ado, here's our interview with Angie Hatton. Yeah. 
I think that we are set to go. It says it's recording. Okay. Cool. All right. We are pleased to have with us on the show today, Angie Hatton, the Kentucky State Legislator of the 94th District, which includes Brandon and mine, uh, our hometown of Whitesburg, Letcher County, and also parts of Pike County. Uh, Angie took office in 2017, is currently serving as the minority whip in the legislature. Angie, we are very happy to have you join us today. Yeah, thanks so much. It's good to see fellow 606 uh, people as well, and, and, and glad to get to talk with you guys a little bit today. Absolutely. So just uh, tell us how you've been doing, and um, how, how have you and your family been dealing with all that's been going on the last two or three months? Well, I never had any idea how much of a hugger I am, how much of a patter <laughs> I am, uh, until you're you're not permitted to to touch one another in public and have to be socially distant. Um, I've got two teenagers. My son was a senior this year, so pretty rough on him to have to miss out on a lot of those senior milestones. And um, so my husband's working from home. He's taking over my home office. <laughs> we're we're, uh, we're all adjusting, doing okay. Um, you know, it's a uh, unprecedented time for so many different reasons and I can't imagine that very many of the people who are in any kind of leadership position at all right now would have chosen to to run you know for the offices that they're holding knowing that this was, is how 2020 was going to unfold it's a really tough time to try and feel like you have a voice and have like a platform and an ability to to make change and try to make good decisions yeah, you, you mentioned nobody could have seen this coming. And yeah, a lot of people are facing challenges they never dreamed they would face. I wanted to ask you, because, you know, uh, a, a lot of people I feel like maybe turned away from politics because it can sometimes be so dirty and, uh, you know, the mudslinging that goes on during campaigns. What, what made you decide that you wanted to do this for, for a profession, to, to, be, to be in politics and run for office? Well... I've always had more nerve than sense. And <laughs> that has led to a lot of uh, decisions that, that led me down paths I didn't expect. Um, on on the, the day that was the very final day to file to run for this office, um, back in um, January of 2016, um, our former rep, Leslie Combs, who had been our state rep for 10 years, representing Letcher and Pike, um, decided not to run again. So that was at about 10 a.m. That, on that Tuesday morning. And um, I realized that the district um, had been redistricted in 2013 to make actually Letcher County have the majority of that district. It's 31 precincts in Letcher County and about 17 precincts in Pike. And um, so I just wanted someone from, from Letcher County to run initially was my reason. But um, so I drove down there in a pouring rainstorm, got my dad to drive me and um, got down there with 10 minutes to spare and uh, ended up filing. Um, and uh, the whole way down there, I tried to talk myself out of it. I was reminding myself that at the time I was a single mom and uh, didn't have the time or the money to be running for office. But um, I just uh, couldn't talk myself out of it. You know, it's just uh, it's almost like an altar call, I guess, like, um, like just a, a feeling that you can't ignore that, you know, someone's got to do something about this and maybe that someone has to be me because this was a time when coal jobs were leaving um, the mountain region um, and 
I mean, we, we saw um, a study last week that shows that Whitesburg, Kentucky is the fastest shrinking city in mm -hmm. the state. And um, also in the top four is Jenkins, Kentucky, which is right here in this county. And the other two in the top four are in our neighboring Harlan County. So that shows what, what this economy has become. And then also just, I mean, opioid addiction at, at that particular time was becoming more and more and more terrifying and orphaning children and, you know, destroying families and communities. And I just, you know, I, I got, got mad and then I got just determined to try and see what I could do. Yeah. And that's what drives a lot of decisions. Sometimes, you know, you got to get fired up about something before you're willing to put forth the effort to do it. I, I do have to ask this question because this has been one of the more fascinating ones. And I, I've been wanting to ask you this for a while. So you're a Democrat and I think it would be fair to say, and you can let me know if this is unfair or not. I would consider that part of the state to be very much Trump country, like deep red, but it's got a lot of pockets of, you know, very progressive Democrat folks as well. We've talked about it on our previous podcast. How in the world did a Democrat in Letcher County win in a presidential year in 2016 when president Trump obviously won overwhelmingly? How does a, a Democrat candidate like yourself, managed to to win a race when so many of the other votes were for a Republican president. I mean, it's kind of weird to me. I'm just like, how in the world does that happen? It's a really weird dynamic in how that worked out. Well, you haven't mischaracterized. My, my district voted 80% for Trump in 16, and I imagine it'll be something similar this year. Um, and I think um, I was outspent about five to one as well and running in a field of seven initially, three Democrats and four Republicans. And this was my first time running for office. So I was by every, every definition, I was a long shot that I think that for every Goliath, there's a stone. So um, I, I just, I ran hard, worked hard. Um, and I think that I share a lot of the values of more moderate Democrats and sort of centrist Republicans in that um, pro-Second Amendment, uh, vote pro-life. And I um, am the, the child and grandchild and niece and, and now wife of a coal miner. So my family's made their living in coal. As you guys are from the 606, you know what that's like. I mean, mm -hmm. oh, that's, yeah. what, that's what we do here. So, um, I've been called Hillary Hatton so many times. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Between winning the primary and that November election, that people still see me in the grocery store and uh, call me Hillary Hatton. And I mean, I guess it's just funny now, but I mean, they spent a fortune tying me to Hillary. They, they wow. photoshopped pictures of me in a blue pantsuit that looks a heck of a lot like a blue pantsuit that Hillary was wearing. So like, oh my goodness. And the picture is photoshopped, you know, I haven't had a picture taken with Hillary Clinton, but um, people don't know that, especially older voters. I, I saw it. I know, but it was hard to tie me to Hillary because, you know, they hated her mainly because of the coal issue. And I'm, I'm not going to take any kind of vote that's ever going to hurt a coal miner. Yeah. Now, so what was it like? This is your first foray to, to politics. What were some of the best days of your campaign and what were the worst days? I always think it's interesting when somebody that comes from outside goes into it because you've got to be hit with some stuff that you're not expecting. You mentioned the ads just now, but what were, 
I guess the high and the low points for in running for office for somebody that's looking from some other place in the state to run, what could they expect from a high and a low point? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, there were daily mailers, sometimes several a day. Um, gosh, I, I, I should just send you some. I should just t text you <laughs> pictures of them so you can see, you know, team. We would love to see them. Yeah, Hillary, please. Hillary Hatton and um, gosh, um, they, they had taken pictures of me where they made my face fatter, you know, like widened it. Like it's, it's big <laughs> enough. And um, hid me, hid my face in bushes and said I was after their guns. And I mean, really, um, it. So you're saying just, those are inaccurate photos of you in the bushes. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> just to clarify, that's not you in the bushes. I'm highly allergic to poison ivy. There's no <laughs> okay. Just want to clear it up. That's all. That's yeah. good to know. But um, so I was worried about the impact it would have on my kids. But my kids were, were fine. You know, they're pretty tough. I'd warned them. What I wasn't expecting was how rough it was going to be on my parents. So I guess I was at the time 44 years old. And I guess when my kids are 44, I'm still not going to take very well to anyone lying about them. And so my parents really had a rough time with it. So that was a low point. But I mean, a high point was definitely um, the the debates. I love the debates, which means there's something wrong with me for sure. <laughs> That's something that I just I love and look forward to. But those were, um, you know, those were big, fun, exhilarating moments for me. Um, and then, of course, election night, realizing that, um, you know, we we had managed to do it. My dad and I would divide up the vote builder um, precinct sheets each night and he'd say, I'll take Thornton. And I'd say, okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm headed over to upper Chloe or lower Pompey in Pike County. And, and we just, we hit nearly every house and, um, and went door to door and um, convinced people that to give me a shot. And election night was just, it was a really amazing thing for my family and for all of my friends that had worked really hard for me. And my favorite uh, thing yeah. is always to be underestimated. And, and I felt like I really had been. So. Yeah. That's, that's great. That's, that's a great story. And uh, you know, I, I kind of love personally just kind of hearing somebody talk about kind of behind the scenes, what, what a campaign is like and hearing you, you know, it's unfortunate that those flyers and things were sent out. You know, we, we, wish people would run clean races, but uh, we're, we're proud of you and, and glad you came through that. Um, just kind of overall, for, for somebody who's never, maybe never been to Eastern Kentucky, um, you know, we, we have people from all across the country that listen to this show that um, probably have a, a preconceived image of what Eastern Kentucky is like. Um, just kind of for those people, how would you describe your district in Eastern Kentucky? How would you describe the people there? Um, what, what are the strengths and what, what are people there most concerned about right now? Well, my district is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. The, I mean, the mountains are gorgeous. We've got several scenic overlooks that you can come check out. Um, and the people are the nicest people anywhere. I've been to 28 countries and every day I choose this place as, as my home and where I want to be and raise my family. And I absolutely refuse to give up on the folks here and um, uh, just have such a deep, deep love of the mountains and the mountain people. 
and uh, it's it's hard to miss how extremely nice and and friendly and helpful folks are here and how we treat each other like family and are awfully kind to strangers as well so mm -hmm. but you know it's also a place where we have nine of the poorest counties in the entire country and we have unemployment numbers that even when the rest of the state um, was showing great numbers if theirs were low it was because not because people had found jobs here it was because um, they had left and quit the unemployment numbers were down because it um, they'd left and quit quit signing up for unemployment because they found work elsewhere and um, we have poor health outcomes here we have high rates of diabetes and hypertension and obesity and we have black lung from all the people who've worked in the coal mines all these years and we still have um, a lot of parts of this area that were never cleaned up properly after they were coal mined and, and um, left some kind of jagged scars that, that where the mines needed to be reclaimed. So, I mean, there's a lot of work here to do. And I think maybe um, the loss of jobs helped to make the opioid addiction here um, even even worse than in other parts of the state. It, we, we really struggled with that. So we're um, at a point where we're forced to work together and people who wouldn't normally work together, you know, in different clans or different parties are um, out of necessity working together to try and figure out how to save our economy and, and save this place. Yeah, I, th I think you mentioned earlier Whitesburg. I I'd actually seen this from one of your tweets that Whitesburg is the fastest shrinking city in Kentucky, which, you know, for, for Brandon and I both, we, we hate to see that. And I know a big push you've been trying to make recently is getting people to fill out their census. Can you tell us why that has become uh, such an important issue for you and maybe tell anybody listening why they should complete their census? Well, it's federal money that's tied to our, our census count, and it's estimated between $2,000 and $3,300 per person that isn't counted would be lost to this region and, and be absorbed into other regions of Kentucky or other states. So that's money for roads and schools and healthcare facilities, and we need it now more than ever when our economy is in terrible shape before the COVID-19 virus hit and um, destroyed local uh, businesses and, and the coffers of our local governments. But also um, we are very likely to lose another representative in the state house and potentially in Congress as well. There's some talk that Kentucky will only have five seats uh, in the house, the U.S. House of Representatives if our, if our census count is as low as they're expecting. It'll go from six to five. So that's wow. one less vote in Washington mm -hmm. um, of people that know what we need and, and uh, know us. Uh, we need that representation. And then in the House, you know, there's 100 seats and they're based uh, a little over 4 million people in Kentucky. So the seats are based um, on approximately 42,000 people in a population district. So um, Eastern, Eastern Kentucky has a really strong likelihood of losing another state rep. We lost one um, in the 2010 census and, and Fayette got another one. Well, Jefferson County has either 18 or 19 state reps yeah. that represent parts of Jefferson County. And um, Eastern Kentucky doesn't have that many altogether as a region. 
So when we lose another one and one of the other bigger urban centers gets another rep, I mean, there's an urban rural divide among national and state lawmakers. And um, I hate to see the rural area lose another seat. Yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, everybody listening, if you haven't done it, please fill it out. Uh, regardless of where you live. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Careful. There goes my camera. Uh, yeah, that, that's good, right? We're going to leave that in. Let's leave that in. I think we leave that in. Did you fall down? No, that wasn't me that fell down. That was my camera. It just oh did one of these. <laughs> so, you know, we, we just keep rolling. We'll add that to the yep. blooper reel yep. later. Yep. I like it. Keep it in. <laughs> well, um, just on a totally separate topic, last Friday, um, Whitesburg held a Black Lives Matter rally. And I, I'm just going to say, when I, when a lot of people hear about Eastern Kentucky and preconceived notions and stereotypes and things like that, I don't think that they necessarily think that Black Lives Matter rallies would occur. Just historically speaking, most people probably wouldn't put that together. I thought it was really interesting, I mean, to, to see that. What were your thoughts when you see a town like Whitesburg, um, you know, way back in the hills, come out and have such a large rally like that. What did that say to you? And what were your thoughts when you saw the size of the group that came out? Well, you know, there were rallies all over Eastern Kentucky, Paintsville, mm -hmm. Prestonsburg, Pikeville, Estill County, Hazard, and of course, Whitesburg. And as you mentioned earlier, there's always been a little bit of a progressive pocket in, in mm -hmm. Letcher County, particularly because of Apple shop and folks that educated folks who moved here um, to preserve the local arts and music scene and, and make films. Um, and so I knew that progressive pocket would be interested in something like this. I was um, surprised at the young, young folks, the high school and college age kids, uh, minority kids, as well as, you know, um, the white kids passionately showed up, mm -hmm. spent um, all week planning. It, um, it was local, it was peaceful, it was socially distant. And there was poetry, there was um, prayer. And at the end, the closing prayer turned into an absolute sermon by a, a local Pentecostal preacher, an apostolic um, preacher who um, absolutely brought down the house and not a dry eye in the place. And it was absolutely, um, it was amazing to see. And it was surprising to see all the kids come together and do that um, and be leaders on that issue. And I think they really wanted their parents' attention. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, going on the other side of it here, I do want to ask you about this. I don't know if this is an uncomfortable topic or not, but I'll ask. Um, a few days later, um, Letcher County's judge executive made kind of a, I guess, a controversial social media post where they claim that racism rarely exists anymore and doesn't exist in Letcher County. I don't know if you recall the post that I'm talking about, but it got a lot of traction online, to say the least. It circulated quite a bit, and there were a lot of heated comments kind of back and forth on that. Did you see that, and what were your thoughts when you saw it? I did see that, and I think it was unfortunate. Um, it's hard to be a leader. It's hard to say the right thing all the time. And I'm sure that I am definitely going to say something really dumb eventually and, and get myself in trouble. Um, 
but you know it, it got aired out at the fiscal court meeting last Monday and I went and um, you know this is a, a growth process and a learning process for for white people you know we have a lot to learn and um, Air County judge listened at the meeting for two hours all people just kind of let him have it and it went on for a very long time and um, he apologized and I think he understands now that there are more voices in his county than than necessarily um, the voices that he hears every day and that we all have different experiences and that you know he represents everyone in our county and that uh, there's people who might have grown up in the same town at the same time might have had very different experiences but you know people in the mountains we have big hearts and um, we know a little bit about oppression because you know, I'm sure when you guys left to home to go off to college, you had the same experience I did where everyone had a different accent and they judged mm -hmm. us based on how we talk. And, you know, everyone there thought they were smarter than me. And I did too. I thought they were all smarter than me. You know, I, I, I was sure just based on the way I talked that they were all smarter. But, you know, by the end of the first semester when I was on the fans list and of them weren't, we, we all started to figure out that maybe I'm smart. So I'm always telling folks, um, from here to speak loud and proud in their accent. Never try to change their accent. And the more they speak intelligently and proudly and not ashamed of the way they talk, then the more we change the way people perceive the way we talk here. So, but you know, it's a small fraction of the sort of judgment that people will experience if, if they were born of color, you know, um, but it, it is a little, little sliver of, of how it feels to be judged. Yeah, and it sounds like you're saying too, uh, obviously he listened and apologized. Would it be fair to say people probably just during this more heated time in our country, just give everybody some slack? We're all trying. Is that kind of what you were saying? Like, uh, you know, let's say you don't agree 100% with what he said. Um, the fact that he came out and did listen and then apologize later. Would you just say maybe to do that across the board as we as we're trying to figure all this stuff out together? Yeah, I think we in this state and in this country we've lost a whole lot of our middle ground you know people are so far left or so far right that we forget we're neighbors and we're friends and, and sometimes family we have um way more in common than our differences and we um i mean probably even on the issues we agree on 80 percent of them you know we all want access to jobs and health care and and good roads and and we all want freedoms that are guaranteed to us in the Constitution and um, you know we focus on that 20% until we end up hating each other and we get on Facebook and say terrible things to each other and we leave our church or you know hate our neighbor and um, won't speak to our uncle <laughs> Everybody's got an uncle they've reported for appropriate comments, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's part of the fun, right? <laughs> Facebook is like, Facebook can be like the sewer of the planet sometimes, unless you're following Lex Buds or Angie Hatton or, top, you know, yes. other than that, it's just the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, it can be <laughs> awful. There's, there's so much room for common ground. And, you know, I just, we lose our middle class and we lose our middle ground. And I can't help but think that it's bad for our country, you know, we've got mm -hmm. extremely rich and extremely poor and, and, um, and uh, they're voting the same way a lot of times <laughs> yeah. based on a hot button issue that really doesn't affect their daily lives. It's, 
it's really hard to to wrap my head around sometimes. Exactly, exactly. Couldn't agree more. Um, now, one of the speakers at the rally was Charles Booker, who is in the Democratic Senate primary against Amy McGrath. Um, just wanted to get your two thoughts on this because everybody assumed when Amy McGrath was chosen as the candidate that she was going to go through the primary in a landslide. She's got all the money. I think she spent over $20 million thus far on, on her campaign. And now we're seeing some polls where it's neck and neck. I even saw a poll yesterday that had Booker ahead. What, what do you think happened? Like why, why has McGrath not pulled ahead like she was expected to do? Well, I'll start off by saying I really like Amy McGrath. I've met her. Um, you know, we, um, both women, you know, she's, she's a tough lady. She's, um, I think she has, um, good ideas sometimes and, um, and then sometimes maybe has been steered wrong in her messaging. Um, but if you've met Charles Booker and if you guys haven't, let, let me introduce you. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> he is just extremely dynamic and his energy is palpable. I mean, you can feel it. You can, you can almost see it radiating from him. He just is so, he's a, a lot of just positive energy um, that, and enthusiasm that you don't see these days, you know, and, and jaded politicians. And um, he is um, probably awfully far left for Kentucky. And, and there's, there's no denying that the majority of Kentucky would find a lot of his policies far left. But when he gets in a crowd, you almost forget that you disagreed with him on a bunch of issues before he came in because he, he's very passionate and dynamic. And um, we've been looking for that in, in politics and, you know, in, in our presidential primary, we were all waiting for that person to emerge. We, we really want someone we can believe in and get behind and, you know, um, and, and Charles sort of just radiates that. So who's going to win? <laughs> um, I think that Charles has the momentum. He's coming around the outside, if you will. But mm -hmm. he, um, I don't know if he got started too late, you know, because Amy had raised so much money. A lot of people had already voted in the early voting um, before this surge hit. So, I mean, I, I don't know what the prediction is because it changes every day. Every poll I say is a little bit different, but he has definitely been inching up and coming around the outside. And, you know, whoever faces McConnell in the fall um, may Do they have... win or lose? <laughs> well, you know... Putting you on the spot. Yeah, putting you on the spot. The Shears policies are too liberal for Kentucky, right? Like everyone knew that, that um, there was a, a more moderate candidate in, in Rocky. Adkins and um, of course Louisville turnout made a big difference in who got chosen in the primary, but no one thought that Andy could win against Bevan, but Bevan was just personally disliked so immensely um, that Andy Bashir ended up pulling it off. And the same thing could happen with McConnell, whose numbers are even, his approval rating is even lower than Governor Bevan's was. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting week and interesting next couple months with whoever comes out of that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, Angie, um, Miranda and I consider ourselves to be 
very big investigative journalist and we, we like to do a lot of show prep before each interview before we talk to somebody um so i know you being coal miners family going through a campaign in eastern kentucky being a politician you, you've got to be pretty tough but i have been told that <laughs> she just took a deep breath <laughs> yeah she's, she's like Did you see that I, i've been told that you got into a tug of war match at your church over the communion juice is can you confirm or <laughs> you're ridiculous <laughs> my, both my sister-in-laws have had it i know exactly where that came from <laughs> Yeah, um, my my family has a has a whole history of just embarrassing ourselves at church, and I'm definitely no exception. <laughs> okay, yeah, I I, I will let you f- figure out who that came from. I of course, you know, don't want to reveal my sources. <laughs> yeah, sources uh, are, are are secret. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. On another related note, I've also been told that you um, enjoy eating off of other people's plates because the food tastes better off of but others' plates. Definitely revealed your source now. (laughs) (laughs) I I did mess with my my, uh, middle sister-in-law an awful lot when she joined the family, uh, including, you know, just picking up her beverage and drinking it or, you know, just sampling (laughs) things off her plate um, because it just really freaked her out. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. Yeah. Yeah, My wife does that too. I'll sit, I'll sit and I'll make dinner. And she'll be like, "Can I try? Can I try yours? Yours looks better." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't ask first. <laughs> you just go and I didn't know her very well. So. Yeah, see, that's good. See, that aggressiveness played well into your politics. And now, I mean, that's why you've been so successful because exactly. when you saw something on the plate, you just said, "No, I'm taking that off the plate." That's how it works. She's the only one who's shorter than me in the in the table. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's actually there, there's one more that's that's shorter than me, but. So I had to establish my dominance, you know, as the second shortest person. I got it. Un- understood. Mm. Yeah. Well, anybody who fights over the communion juice, you, you've <laughs> definitely proven yourself that you're, you're not going to be pushed around. So yeah, you, you bring that attitude and representing Kentucky and, and we'll go far. So that's good. Now, before we wrap up, I want to ask you if you'd be interested in doing one more thing. I know I respect your time, but we do have one more fun topic that we hope to broach with you. Tyler and I do this skit where we have our wheel of stupid topics. I have this wheel here with a bunch of random topics on it. And this is for the voters to get to know you a little bit better on a random topic. We spin the wheel and we debate and we'll close it out. Would you be interested in participating? So will I be assigned a position to take or? No, no, this is your, your position. All right. Yep. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'm going to spin the wheel, and let's see where it goes. I love the sound of the wheel. Oh, nice. There we go. Okay. Now now if I could read my writing, that would be great. Okay. Most overrated chain restaurant. Oh. Everybody take a deep breath. What is the most overrated? So that means for it to be overrated, it has to have some kind of hype behind it already. This isn't like your you know, your Ponderosa Steakhouse or your Bonanza that went out of business. This is somebody, someplace that people think is legit that you just think, what's the big deal? Yeah. 
don't want to hurt anyone's feelings at all. <laughs> this is a place that, you know, I love them, but. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> gosh. What do you think, Tyler? Anybody can go go first. Whoever wants to go. Uh, first. I I can I can tell you. I have two actually for this. One. Okay, go ahead. If you got uh, it in your heart. That, let it that out. Everybody likes. I do not like Taco Bell, and I do not like Waffle House. So, what? What's wrong with you? Because I mean, there are. I mean, if I want you know Mexican food, there are there are so many more high quality places to go for Mexican. And same with Waffle House. Like, if you want a good breakfast, there are so many places that, you know. Like where? That's what they do. It, it, it is. I, I'm just saying that as far as the quality of the food, I think you can get better. Well, I think they both have their place, and it's usually late night. But, you know. Yes. There's a <laughs> Maybe greasy, that's why. Maybe because I'm a greasy food lunch. fix, you know. <laughs> and in Eastern Kentucky, we appreciate the grease and the lard. And, you know, sometimes you got to have it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I guess I would say from years and years of traveling with my kids to in, in travel ball and soccer. My, my kids did all the sports. They, they skipped nothing. Um, that the team always stops at Golden Corral. Uh, and I'm not a fan. I think it's really bland, and I always hope that's not where we're stopping. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it just the taste of the food that gets you, or is it just buffets in general? I mean, what, well, what what's your hangup? Oh well, I, I got nothing against a buffet. Against <laughs> <laughs> a buffet. <laughs> Buffet. As we've already uh, established, you yeah. like taking food from separate separate areas, so you like the buffet concept already. Right? Yeah, it's just, it's just really bland food, just not tasty. Bland food. Mm. Okay, fair enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, O Charlie's. I don't know if you guys have. Do you guys eat there? Anybody oh, eat at O Charlie's? I waited tables at O Charlie's for quite no a while. Oh no! Wow. My main food group for those those years were the uh, those rolls that are free. Yeah, the free rolls, and they have the potato soup, and they have the free pie on Wednesdays. Or I don't know. Yep. Yeah, everybody, every time I say, oh, Charlie's, people are like, but they give free pie. Well, that's great, but I, I remember there was a sign out on, I won't say which one, that said, we're still open. When you have to put a sign out that says, we're still open, I, I think, you know, the people are speaking a little bit. Uh, am I not right? Like, well, we were, I knew we were still open. I just didn't go because I don't like it. That's like those places in Eastern Kentucky that have so much junk sitting in their yard that they have to ride on the um, fence, nothing for sale. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly like that. For yard sale. <laughs> start, start going into the swap shop. Oh, crazy. fantastic. Okay, so just to clarify, Tyler, you're saying Taco Bell and Waffle House for nuts, by the way. You're going Golden Corral, Angie. That's, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that's a fair one. A lot better than Tyler's. And do you guys agree or disagree with the O'Charlies? Oh, disagree. Disagree. Only because you worked there, right? Well, it, working there was rough. Now it, it was it was a it was a tough job. It was super uh, stressful, actually, and I have all kinds of crazy stories about what a terrible waitress I was. When I worked hard. <laughs> I can't and, wait to hear those later on. That sounds yeah, yeah. She, Brandon, she was probably taking food off people's plates before she got <laughs> see what it We're going to keep coming back to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, the sister-in-law's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, Tyler. I don't think you're saying anything. Yep. Yep. Um, I cannot confirm or deny. 
Cool. That's true. But I, I think this was an interesting conversation. We covered a lot of serious ground. Uh, we found out a little bit uh, more about you on a personal side with the Golden Corral thing. So that's good. And we hope that, you know, as we get closer to the elections uh, in November, that we can have you back on and, you know, let you give everybody the your two cents worth on, on the campaign trail and all those kind of things. So uh, would you would you be interested in coming back? Yeah, sure. I did election night commentary last um, November's election since I wasn't on the ballot. And that was a lot of fun. I was on YMT um, TV station in Hazard. And I, I, I love it. It's, it's, it's so much fun. Such a fun game. No, that's awesome. That's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, we would love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, and, you know, hopefully this won't be the last time. Well, I'm going to do my uh, reconnaissance. And next time, prepare Uh-oh. to both of you. Have a fair thing. Little anecdotes no. show up on the air. Yeah, on second thought, maybe we don't want to have you back on. We take yeah, that back. Just kidding. This was the last time. Hurry Too late. You said oh. it. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Angie. We appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you later, Angie. Peace out. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome back. Last segment of Lex Bud's Pick and Roll podcast. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Angie. I thought she was fantastic, Brandon. We really got to see um, a, little, a little more of her personality uh, on that. I thought she was just fantastic. Yeah, and it's important to know that all these people that are running for office are actual living people. You know, it, when you see people on TV all the time, you, you think, okay, not that she's on TV all the time, but you kind of separate yourself and you think they're on some sort of different level. These are just normal people. They're like me and you. They are. They just have a more important job than us. Do they? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know if they do or not. But the important thing to know is that they're just they're living, breathing people. They have actual thoughts. And you may see them at the grocery store every now and then, right? They do the same things we do. Very true. So. Yeah, just don't call her Hillary Hatton if you see her at the grocery store. I, th- I think she's heard that enough. I uh, got that impression, too. <laughs> that would drive me crazy, by the way. It reminds me, you know, the last episode we talked about, you know, people sending out mailers with you know, different pictures and stuff like that. I tell you what, those are the kind of things that just drive you crazy. And when you go into it, you have to have thick skin. You do. And just say, you know what? I know this stuff is going to happen, and I've just got to keep going. That's all you can do. I don't know what else you can do. You just got to keep going knowing that that is going to happen. Yeah. And we really appreciate her coming on and giving her comments on, on the census and all the happenings with the Black Lives Matter rallies in eastern kentucky and particularly in our hometown of whitesburg and then also thought interesting her comments on the senate race which we have the election Mm -hmm. uh, depending on the time you're listening to this we release on monday so if you're listening the election is most likely tomorrow on tuesday and i think all eyes are going to be on that senate race between booker mcgrath i thought she i thought angie really hit it on the head that booker has the momentum but it might just be a little too little, too late at this point. But I have a feeling, Brad, I'm going to make a prediction. I think we will go to bed Tuesday night not knowing who wins that race. Oh, man. So you're saying it's going to be that close. I think I think it's going to be that close. Ooh. And I think the fact that there will mm. still be mail-in votes that have not been accounted for, that it's just going to be too close for them to make a call. So I think, think we may be a few more days before we find out who goes against Mitch McConnell. Yeah, that's going to be interesting because, I, you know, it, my gut tells me that McGrath has such an early lead because 
her campaign, you know, if you look at her ads, it's been, hey, get your absentee ballot in. And I would be doing the same thing. Get your ballot in. Hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> Before you know yep. about this booker guy. Yes. Hur- hurry up and get it in. Vote for me. <laughs> um, and again, I- I've said it a thousand times, and I'll say it again on this episode. I don't know how you pick Amy, Amy McGrath as your candidate. If she can't beat Andy Barr in Richmond and Lexington, how is she going to beat Mitch McConnell in the entire state. And I don't care about politics. I'm just talking about from a political strategy perspective. How do you look at that and you say, you know what, this person couldn't beat this Republican in a very uh, diverse, very Democratic area. How are they going to beat a Republican senator that's been in there for 30-some-odd years? I still don't understand that mentality. I don't get it. Yeah, I... I don't know if Charles Booker could beat Mitch McConnell. I, I think it would be an uphill battle. But I know for a fact Amy McGrath is not going to beat him. So if if that's your goal is to beat Mitch McConnell, I don't know how you vote for Amy because there's just like you said she can't beat Andy Barr. She's not beating McConnell. If if that's now if you think Amy's the better candidate, that's a different story. But if you're only voting based on the person who's most likely to beat Mitch McConnell, Amy's not it. It's not, And maybe neither one of them are it, but we know Amy is not it. Yeah, you've got to throw some Hail Marys whenever you're going on to you know compete against the D.C. powers that be. Regardless if it's McConnell or if it's any other senator in your state. Wherever you know, we have a lot of listeners that are from out of state, which is ridiculous, by the way. It is crazy. We've, we've got overseas listeners, by the way, too, which is... I, I don't get it. <laughs> but regardless of what state it is, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's California or somewhere else, if you've got an incumbent that's been in there for 30-some-odd years, you better bring your game. And if your game is somebody that's lost in the most liberal area of your state, you're probably not going to win. Agreed. I just I don't understand it at all. It's going to be interesting. And I'm I'm uh, in addition to just seeing how the races pan out, I'm interested to see what happens on election day when all of Fayette County, all of Lexington, converges to Kroger Field to vote at one location. How do you think that's going to pan out? You know what? I can tell you how it's going to pan out because I'm going to be there. Okay. So you didn't do mail-in vote. No, I'm going to be there to record it. Oh, okay. I'm registered. there for posterity. Just so everybody knows, I'm registered independent, so I can't really do much in the primaries. But... I'm definitely going to be there to document the hell out of that because it's going to be the biggest cluster I think we've seen in a long time. I think you're right. Uh, I don't remember how many people voted in. Uh, you know, I should have done some show prep to see how many people voted in the last primary in Kentucky. But I mean, there are going to be tens of thousands of people converging upon Kroger Field. Forget about the fact we're all supposed to be social distancing, mind you. I'm sure that well, that will happen at the polling location <laughs> for sure. But I just can't imagine how long the lines are going to be. It's I, th- I think people are going to be there for hours, and it's just going to be a complete mess. People are going to be angry. There's, uh, I think Tuesday is just going to be one mess, one disaster after another. And we will have coverage of that. Yes, Trust we me. will be there. I will be there. I'm going to be there first thing in the morning on Tuesday, and I will be there after the polls close to see how many people don't get in, if they do. I don't know if I told you that, Tyler. No, this is all new to me. This this is great. I'm, oh, so, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm going to be there, and I'm going to document the experience of a primary voter at Commonwealth, or not Commonwealth Stadium, it's Kroger Field. That's for fine. Pizza. You can call it Commonwealth Stadium. But I can't wait to see what it's going to be like. Um, 
you know, most primary voter participation is typically pretty low. So maybe it won't be a big deal. Maybe I'll get there and I'll be surprised that it's not a huge deal. But I can tell you this, if we get to November, and think about this, this is the end of June, July, August, September, October. That's we got four months. Yep. Until the major election. Boy oh boy. What if this is what it's like four months from now? You tell me what that's gonna be like. And this is gonna be all over the country. That's why it's so unpredictable. This presidential election, this primary election is completely unpredictable. We you can look at whatever poll you want to online or in the news, it's not going to matter. When I'm sitting here looking at it, I'm just sitting here thinking, this whole thing is a cluster. I don't know how we're going to handle it, but I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of upset voters, and I don't like that. I like to have a clear-cut winner without any controversy. Yep. And I worry that that's not going to happen. I agree. Like I said, I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't think any of us will go to bed Tuesday night knowing who won this race. And what if this yeah. happens in November, though? What if What uh, if we're going to Kroger Field, one place per county? Let's Let's exclude Kroger Field. Think about your particular county. There's one place to vote for President of the United States. Yeah. Imagine we, what that looks we, like. We We got to get stuff figured out before then. Cause but what do you do? Well, hopefully, how, how do you get, get more figured pe- out? Get more people to mail in vote. Hopefully, we can get the word out by then. Or, oh, maybe we can just all vote online. Maybe we could text in. Could could we text in our vote oh for president? Would that oh work? Oh my god! I'm sure there would be no like, <laughs> there'd be nobody trying to hack that whatsoever. Uh, it sounds fail safe to me. Yeah, and and that's, you know what? I'm not going to open up that can of worms because it, it's a <laughs> yeah. whole other can of worms. We, we got we, four more months to talk about this. We so. got four months. <laughs> You are spot on. <laughs> we got four months. Let's, let's not give away all our insight just yet. We got plenty of time. There's plenty to give away. But um, we really appreciate you listening to this podcast. And uh, also make sure you follow uh, Angie Hatton on Twitter as well. Whether you agree with her politics or not, I got to say, she came across just, she's just a normal person. Just yeah, like she me is. and you. And it's important to remember, you know, when people are going to protest at these people's houses, we've, people, we've seen people go to Bashir's house. Yep. We've seen recently people go to McConnell's house. These are just people trying to like live and breathe the same as you are. Now, they may have political differences, but they're still just normal people. They're trying to get up and do somewhat normal things. I don't know if Mitch McConnell does or not, or if Andy Bashir does or not. I'm sure they have a few more privileges that you and I don't. But they all sleep. They all eat. They all have families. They're all just trying to move along in this rat race. So... You know, just take that into consideration when you're listening to Angie because she's she's just a normal person that wanted to do some public service for her consist, uh, constituents in Letcher and part of Pike County as well. And it's important to remember. Yeah, and she she's somebody who cares a lot about the people there, and that's, that's why we were so excited to have her on. And uh, we hope to have her on again more in the future. We hope to have other uh, important governmental leaders on that we could share with all of our LexBuds Nation out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anybody that you feel would be uh, good to be on the show, if you know them, talk to them. We'd love to have them on the show. We want to show all points of view. You know, Angie obviously has a certain point of view, but if you know somebody that has the opposite, we're fine with that too. We just want to try to expose all points of view uh, without injecting our personal you know, politics into anything. We just like to let people talk. And yep. whatever they say is what they say. 
You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Yep, absolutely. So make sure you follow us. Uh, make sure you visit our website at LexBuds.com. Follow us on Twitter at LexBuds. And Tyler, I think it was between the basketball cabinet and the Angie Hatton interview, I thought it was a very successful show. I'm happy with it. I don't know if you were or not, but I'm pretty happy. Yeah, with it. it was great. This was our, you know, kind of our big election special. So we'll have coverage on the actual election results for you next week, and we'll talk about what happened. Absolutely. So we'll see you next time on the podcast, and uh, thanks so much for listening. Stay, Stay classy, classy, Kentucky. Kentucky.